There's been a lot of discussion. One of the topics I'm most interested in right now, of course, is BRC20s and indexing and the the risks associated with indexing. And are we going to make it? Should I dump my bags? Should I pump my bags? What should I do with this new ground of frontier technology that we have with BRC20s? And so we have both Chan here and Ken from Xverse. I think, Ken, you've been integrating BRC20s recently. And, and Chan, you're the CTO of Alex, which you guys are building a smart contract indexer, which is fascinating. I'd love to hear about, but maybe Ken, I want to go to you first. Could you kick off, talk about how BRC20 works with the indexers? I know there's only, is there only one open source indexer right now? And is there challenges with it? Is there differences between the indexer and the API that Unisap provides? What's the status of where we're at? Yeah, I can give some background on BRC20s and the indexers. As BRC20 is built on top of ordinals, and ordinals are basically inscribing data on the Bitcoin chain. And the the BRC20 tokens, they're represented by this data that's inscribed as ordinals onto the chain. So you can have a deploy, which creates a token, a ticker, and you set the maximum amount, and then you have mint, inscriptions where you actually mint a specific number of these tokens to yourself or somebody else. You can also have transfer inscriptions, which will transfer some BRC20 tokens from one person to another. And the state of who owns how many tokens is not readily available uh, on the Bitcoin chain. If you wanted to know how many tokens this address owns, you have to go back all the way to the beginning and check every single inscription that was a BRC20 token inscription to see how many tokens were created, how many were minted, how many were transferred to this person. Basically, you arrive at a final or current up-to-date state of who owns how many tokens. And this is the job of indexers. Indexers are basically this software that runs on the server somewhere that reads the Bitcoin blockchain and compiles all these transactions and creates this global state of who owns how many tokens. Right now, there's basically one open source indexer, which the company Unisats runs as part of their marketplace for BRC20. And I think most of the people using BRC20 right now is relying on that indexer. There's, there's probably issues with everyone relying on the same indexer because one, if it goes down, then basically the entire ecosystem cannot find the latest up-to-date state of who owns how many tokens, right? And then also, there's no decentralized consensus as to what are the rules, right? If they decide to change the rules of how they order these transactions, then people's balances could change, right? So that's another downside of having one single indexer. And I think Chan and the guys over at Alex are working on a much more improved version of these kind of indexers, which I think will solve some of these problems. So I guess I'll, I'll let him explain that. Awesome. Chan, go ahead. Take it away. The explanation around the overall BRC and the way we are in terms of indexing is actually a very good. The indexer, so for those who are not familiar with, and I think everyone in this crowd and the space is probably familiar with the, the concept of ordinals and so on. Now, and the many of uh, us uh, here should be also familiar with the uh, BRC20, which came to the scene a few months ago and is growing rapidly. The biggest difference between the two is really um, ordinal as it is what you call the uh, non-fungible, uh, whereas um, 
uh, BRC20 is meant to be a standard for equivalent of, if you like, ERC20 uh, for Bitcoin. So that is a standard for a fungible token. Now, uh, the reason why all of a sudden we started talking about indexing is because unlike a typical ordinal, which is non-fungible, and therefore each piece has a, a unique value attached to it, the BRC20 tokens as a fungible does not have it. And they have a value only as an aggregate. And therefore, the shape of overall distribution and the, the balances, as Ken mentioned, and the who has it, and the how they have been traveling is actually far more important than individual unit of the token itself. So I think that's where the index comes in. But I think we should then, before talking about what the problem of the indexer currently we have, I think we need to think about why we need an indexer. Um, and if, if you think about what indexer does is in the EVM world and so on, even the, our own uh, layer two on stacks, it's really utility, if you like, uh, to allow faster search of a database or data that is stored on the blockchain instead of having to access those data on chain every time, which is very expensive, especially if you think about the in, in a cumulative uh, way. So what Indexer typically does, then it pulls the data in one go and then saves that into an off-chain database so that you can uh, transform those data for your purposes much faster and cheaper and easier. So that's what Indexer does. Now, what the Indexer as of today does for the BRC20 space as of today is because BRC20 itself is an inscription and it's a standard, but the Bitcoin itself doesn't support smart contract and therefore cannot enforce the rules around the standard, the indexer is trying to do that. And I think it can also briefly touch on that as well. The indexer tries to go through all those inscriptions around the BRC20 and try to make sense of the global state of balances who has what and who has done this and that. Now, the problem that you see immediately is indexer is meant to be an utility, an auxiliary in a function um, to the, the source, uh, the true source of truth, rather than being a, a sort of a source of truth uh, itself. So the, the biggest problem that we have is what was meant to be a secondary function is now being thrusted into a primary function of being a source of truth, but with a lot of centralized risk, which actually poses, I think, one of the biggest risks at the moment with the growth of BRC. So again, we're talking about the trust here, and Ken mentioned as well. And I think UNICEF, the team there, have lots of respect for them as well. I think they have done an amazing job in terms of really showing people what, what we can do in terms of the BRC20. But as of today, again, the UNICEF indexer, which we're going to use actually when we launch a BRC20 order book next week, and I think we'll be announcing the projects that will be listing on our platform in the next, actually tomorrow, I think, or trading on Wednesday. If uh, Unicet indexer goes down, then we lose the global state balances. And uh, if a Unicet changes the rule unilaterally, then the user balances changes. And I think that is unacceptable. So what we are trying to do is really create a trustless on-chain indexer that is smart contract based, that reads the state of Bitcoin independently of the older off-chain indexes. So the key idea is there will be value for a role played by the off-chain indexes still, 
But instead of them being the validator or the authority figures in verifying those inscriptions in BRC20 activities, they will be acting as a submitter of events that need to be verified. And those information can be submitted by multiple off-chain indexes to on-chain indexer that we are building, which will then verify those information. So, if, for example, the off-chain indexer may provide a, the BIC20 tuple together with the relevant Bitcoin transactions. So we will then either construct the, the Bitcoin tra- transaction from the, the BIC20 tuple to verify uh, that is a, that corresponds to the B, uh, Bitcoin transaction that we see, or we can pass the Bitcoin transaction to get that BRC20 to verify in the same way. And then we can then make sure, uh, confirm that Bitcoin transaction is mined, i.e. that is a valid transaction. Now, once that's done, once the on-chain index, indexer then verifies that, that particular event is valid and it has been bind on the blockchain and on the Bitcoin blockchain, then that can be added to its data on chain and which then can be queried by, so for example, experts, which was developed by Ken and including the wallets that supports uh, the Bitcoin, as well as any DApps like us that is building a DeFi on the, on the Bitcoin as well. Now, I talked about on chain and so on. Now, obviously, and also smart contract, important thing is the Bitcoin, because it doesn't support the smart contract as of today. And uh, given the sort of the capacity issue that we have, I think the use of L2 here is very important. And uh, when I talk about the on-chain, I'm really talking about the Bitcoin L2, uh, which is a stacks, uh, which is the smart contract layer that we use to build all the uh, DeFi primitives on Bitcoin, including the, the order book decks that I talked about just now. And I think Stacks is very unique in that it has the read access to the the global state of the Bitcoin, which means you don't have to rely on, if you like, the federation of off-chain indexes to tell you what is right or wrong. It can read off the the Bitcoin blockchain directly and determine by the set of the rules that are written into the smart contract whether that particular BRC20 activity was valid or not. Um, And that is what we are building uh, together with uh, a number of key uh, stakeholders in the Stacks ecosystem. And uh, we are hoping to go live uh, hopefully uh, next month in uh, June, uh, hopefully earlier. Yeah. Back to you, Trevor. Uh, Very cool, Chan. Thank you so much for that in-depth intro and explanation. I want to dig deeper on how this smart contract indexer works and how it it determines the truth. I think you made a great point about indexers being normally an auxiliary function and not a source of truth. So like going into the situation now where we've already had with ordinals, we've had some orphaned inscriptions, some things found that the indexer mixed and we've been uh, missed and we've been updating those because it's pretty low risk. It doesn't really change anything materially. But how do you like, how do you de- deploy this now in terms of this? If I'm understanding correctly, the smart contract is essentially building its own index but what if the smart contract misses something? How how does it work with the indexers? How does it come into the space now when maybe there's a bunch that are missed because we're so early as well? And I've, a couple of people have tweeted me that they're balanced. They didn't they didn't see their balance, but yeah, like how does it actually work from that function? I can and does it like once you reconcile the current state and add it to the smart contract now? Are you using like the the stacks nodes to update? that smart contract indexer are you still using the off-chain indexers yeah so like big question about like how this actually works 
In, in terms of making sure to include all the information out there that there is out there in terms of what is being inscribed, that goes to the, I think that sort of speaks of the general functionalities of the indexes, whether you are on-chain or off-chain. And the way we are looking to resolve is, as I mentioned before, by having as many off-chain indexes to participate into submitting the events as it, it, it occurs on the Bitcoin. So I think that way, I think we can uh, capture the old information that is required, which will need to be improving, uh, improved over time. Now, what's then going to happen is once, as, as, as I mentioned before, the events are submitted, and we talk about the sort of, if you think about the functionality of the index itself, you're talking about the source of truth, and then uh, how do you determine what is true or not? And we're talking really about the consensus. And then I think there, people talk about, again, the, if a majority agrees, then then that is the truth that maybe, but then that sort of reminds me of if anyone who's familiar with the financial world, the libel rate rigging and so on. So it is open to a lot of manipulation. So what we are proposing is once the data is received, again, the smart contract on the stacks will independently verify the validity of the uh, event by reading the state of the, uh, the Bitcoin uh, blockchain. And once it is deemed to be valid, then the data is going to be written um, as a transaction into the, as a stacks uh, transaction. And once that's done, that stacks transaction will eventually, through the, uh, the consensus derived from the stacks, um, settled into the Bitcoin. And that's really how, how we secure uh, the, the data, as well as making uh, sure it is immutable. What do you do if the, the submission is flawed? For example, if you come in now and you just copy the state from one or two indexers, what if both of those missed something, you know, from that time? Is it too late if it's already been written to the stack side or how does that work? There are a number of research that is going on to to address those. I don't have an answer right now. At the moment, the, what we are looking at uh, doing is, for example, I mentioned about the transaction having to be mined and then the using the off-chain indexer being the, again, the helper to submit the, submit the events to the online, uh, on-chain indexer but also on-chain indexer having the direct access to more in a proactive manner to be able to do. But again, in, in, at the moment, in whether or not you cover all the activities to the, on, when it comes to BRC20, is a still work in progress. And that, uh, that is a general question for all the indexers out there. Okay, got it. And then, there, Chen, there has been some kind of debate here as well in terms of we've had this debate in the ordinals side, and I think people are going to have this debate again on the BRC20 side, some people believe that the on the chain is like the original source of truth. So if there's been errors made going back, if someone discovers a new inscription in a block that was undone, that was, sorry, that was missed, that would undo everything that comes after it. And it has to go from the chain being the history directly. There's another school of thought where it's like, hey, let's just like, we have a social consensus here. Let's just start. And nobody's mad at, at Unisat, for example, why don't we just continue off of their truth and then going forward, we can just use the more reliable on-chain model. Like, Where do you sit on that philosophical question and what are your thoughts on it? I think the first thing I would say is th- this is actually a sort of a very fundamental question we all collectively need to address. So I don't think there's a sort of a quick answer to that. And you can compare to, but I think what is important is number one, what do we mean by the source of truth? And when we find that when 
what we thought was the source of truth is wrong, what do we do about it? And I think we have a number of examples and so on that we can reference to rectify the situation, and there are more than one way of doing it. The second one is when you talk about the social consensus as well, uh, what do you mean by that? I think we have to be uh, very careful in how to uh, define that and look at the implementation of it and also make sure that it's manipulation-free, for example. I think there are a number of discussions going on, as Trevor, you mentioned, but I think we as a group will hopefully come to a consensus around that in terms of best practice, if you like, pretty soon. Awesome. Yeah, Tendi, stay clean out there. So we also have Mason up on the show here. He's the CEO and founder of Tokensoft. Mason, you've been looking at this, the BRC20 space, and you've been looking at the indexes and everything going on. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's quite fascinating what's going on with BRC20s. I think what's the most interesting to me right now is just diving into the tools that are out there and the infrastructure that's out there. And it's just so cool that there's sort of a space being written from the ground up and I've been poking at it from and evaluating it from the uh, perspective of trying to uh, bridge assets through wrapped assets or similar mechanisms. And I think there's a lot of room to innovate on that side of things. It feels like a lot of the inscriptions are like you can initialize them and transfer them. And I think it'd be interesting to see if anyone's working on how to maintained like a global state on a particular inscription. How can you do repeated commands on a particular, in EVM world, we have a smart contract and we can, for example, continue minting over and over again. Whereas in inscriptions, it feels like you mint this once and then it can get transferred. And so I think there's a lot of room to innovate, explore on how do you maintain state and how can you continue to alter a state within ordinal land. I think it's just really fascinating what's happening and really excited to keep diving into the infrastructure and new concepts that, that are going to have to come to fruition in ordinal's land. Awesome, Mason. Thank you so much. So if anyone has any final questions for Chan, ask them now. Chan, it's super exciting and super interesting what you guys are working on. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it will be useful. I think it'll be really useful to have more of a robust, more of a trustless situation with the index, I think it'd be a real value. Bunzi, you have your hand raised. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's super interesting problem, the infrastructure of just indexing. The fact that Unisat alone is the one distributing all this data and they're like the number one traded marketplace is is an interesting combo. And I think it's definitely needed. I, I was just curious, could you explain the connection to Stacks again and how that is going to incorporate in the indexer? Sure. Stacks is, you can call it Bitcoin L2, that, that settles into its blockchain with own token stacks and whose transactions are then ultimately settled into Bitcoin. And the great thing about Stacks is we have the smart contract language called the Clarity that allows us to build all the, um, the smart contracts that are used, for example, NFT projects as well as the DeFi like us. Um, so that's what you call the smart contract layer on Bitcoin. And we have been in existence for the last, I think, what, five, six years, um, actually more. So one of the earliest one, uh, together with uh, um, RSK, if you like. I mean, in terms of uh, enabling this smart contract. Um, now, the on-chain index that I mentioned will be implemented uh, on stacks as a smart contract. 
and it will the off-chain indexer will be interacting with that particular smart contract implemented on stacks and all the transactions and the valid events i mentioned will be then saved and written in as a stacks context transaction which will be then settled as part of the stacks block height will be settled into the the bitcoin block awesome i see so uh, the consensus will arrive at stacks and then that's the last data point that will get distributed to whatever front end that it's tied to that is correct so the benefit of of this is uh, number one if you think about now for example our order book dex is also built on stacks and i think that's important if you think about the high gas fee we currently see on the bitcoin as well as the, when it comes to BRC20, I think fundamentally all these trading activities and so on, is, you can look at it uh, a bit similar to uh, what we see on the Ethereum mainnet versus Arbitrum, where all the uh, trading activities, most of the trading activities migrate to L2 and, and uh, keeping the Ethereum mainnet for the high value items. And I think that's what you're going to see. So same with the same in the Bitcoin world as well. I think the high value items will continue to happen on the Bitcoin, but then most of the trading activities and the value add will happen on L2. And from that perspective, I think Stacks is unique. And when it comes, when you think about the on-chain index as well, because of the limitation that we have with the Bitcoin, which I think is the greatest strength, by the way. So the, that's why we are building on the Bitcoin L2. And yeah, ahead, no, it makes a lot of sense. And Chan, so for, uh, in that case, like how do the assets move from Bitcoin L1 to Stacks? And what is the transaction like moving on Stacks? So it's like creating like a, is it like a mirror image of the L1? Or are you like wrapping assets and then trading them and then unwrapping them? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so from the user experience, it is going to be similar to uh, moving the asset from the, for example, Ethereum mainnet to uh, Arbitrum and so on. The user will be sending the their L1 asset to a particular wallet address. And then once that's done, then the equivalent of it, if you like the mirror image, as Trevor, you mentioned, will be created on Stacks which will be then available for various activities, including DeFi. For the order book decks we'll be launching, that is what's going to happen. The BRC20 holders will be sending to what we call order book vault, which is a Bitcoin wallet address. And then once that asset is deposited, then on the stack side, the mirror image will be created in form of the token, the fungible token, which will be then deposited into the order book for trading. So... That's a sort of, again, pattern that uh, we see um, elsewhere as well. I think important point there uh, that I want to just uh, flag is that currently as of today, because Bitcoin does not have, again, the smart contract uh, capability, that uh, if you like the bridging or the peg-in, peg-out is somewhat custodial. And a number of folks at the stacks are working very hard to make that peg-in, peg-out or bridging in a decentralized manner, so in form of what you call SPTC and S-Ordinal, which I think uh, we will see probably over the next uh, few months, uh, definitely before the end of this year, by which uh, we expect to see that process much more decentralized and trustless. Cool. Thank you for that, Chan. Um, Ken, any kind of thoughts on the topic, BRC indexers, smart contract indexers, what's your take? Yeah, so I think we're super early in the BRC20 space, and I think these kind of indexers or infrastructure will help a lot. But I also think that there might be like better standard compared to BRC20 that might come along in the next couple of months. 
because if you look at BRC20, it's actually quite limited, the amount of things you can do with it. One, there's no smart contract ability with BRC20, right? The minting is essentially free-for-all, right? And anyone can mint it, and you can't really control how these tokens are minted. And if you look at ERC-20 tokens and just on Ethereum in general, for tokens to make sense, they, you have to be able to do things with them, not just mint and trade them, which it works for meme coins. But if you wanted to do something a little bit more complex, then you would need the ability to have more complex logic related to these BRC-20 tokens. I think as we're building these indexers, we should probably think about supporting potentially other protocols. I think there's already a few other BRC20 derivative protocols. I think there's SRC20 and ORC20. So any indexer should be able to index more than just one protocol as we have better and more improved versions of these protocols come along. My biggest concern is like maybe like how brittle these indexers could become or how difficulty it will be adding like more complex logic into them instead of moving it more to a another place that has turned complete or decidable capabilities from the ground up that in a decentralized way. So I think I agree with you. We need to let a million flowers blossom here. We need to do a lot of different experiments and try different ways because definitely indexing we want to keep indexing as low risk as possible so and and give it more have less trust assumptions behind it so that it can be more decentralized.